Welcome to Out to Lunch, where we have digestible chats on hot SAP partner topics. Let's dig in and meet our hosts. All right. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Out to Lunch. I'm Diane Pereira. It's our first episode of 2022, and that makes today's discussion here at our diner perfect. It's very timely and very relevant. We're talking about what 2022 could look like for partners in in the software industry. What are we seeing ahead of us? What should we be thinking about? What are some predictions uh, that we would potentially like to make here on the call today? So without uh, further ado, I've I've actually got an amazing guest uh, co-host today here with me to drive the conversation. And I'm so happy to welcome Megan Sullivan, the head of SAP's Global Ecosystem at Mid-Market Marketing Organization. Megan, hi. Hey, Diane. Happy New Year. And thanks so much for having me today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Happy New Year to you as well. Um, Yeah. And I just thought it was so fitting to have you on because... First of all, you're no stranger to podcasts. You know the channel business so well, um, and you've obviously successfully driven SAP's partner marketing efforts, um, very much admired by your peers. Um, But I also think a little known fact is that you started your journey in business development and sales management roles before crossing over to marketing. Isn't that right? did a long time ago. Yeah, I I had a an alliances business development role way back with Veritas um, did one of the original HPOEM deals um, with them. So it, it's where I found my love of partnering and alliances way before my SAP day. So it's close to my heart for sure. All right. You found your home in the channel, nevertheless. <laughs> Wonderful. So, yeah, so I'm just um, super happy to, to have you here to lead our discussion because you and our very special guest, an expert in his own right, um, have been talking a lot about trends and opportunities in the marketplace. And so um, I just thought it would be great to have the two of you come onto the show and share that with our SAP partners. So um, yeah, so I guess I'll hand the reins over to you if you'd like to welcome this mystery man. Yes, I would love to. Um, a good friend of, uh, of SAP and me personally, I wanna introduce Larry Walsh uh, with us today. I am assuming if you are in the ecosystem world, you already know who Larry is because he is an icon in the industry. He is the CEO and founder of Channelnomics. He is an author, a journalist, an all-around great guy, whiskey lover. He's a vet. I mean, he's got everything going for him. Um, But most importantly, he has built this amazing company up, and we'll talk about some of the changes that he's even making at Channelnomics of really working with partners and big vendors or uh, all sorts of vendors, SAP included, about really educating us about trends and what's going on in the market, talking to us about uh, you know our programs and what could be done differently, how can we do better, what what are, you know what's going on in the world, and kind of just a lot of great advice on on directionally how to you know be be the best in the ecosystem. So welcome, Larry, and and thank you for all that you do for us here at SAP. Okay. Well, thanks, Megan. I, you know, I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever been called a man of mystery before. Um, <laughs> I like it. You know, and and I, and just one small clarification: when you said I was a vet, I do not work with animals. I just happened to, at one point in my life, I was defending democracy, so that's. <laughs> and you know, let me just say, in all seriousness, thank you so much for your service. Um, it's you know, people like you that give us this amazing life and well, this country that we live in. So thank you so much for that. I, I'm unabashed in telling you the truth is that, uh, you know, I served in the in the army in the 80s uh, when the Cold War was still raging. And I did. I defended democracy one bar stool at a time. I love so, it. Yeah. 
that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So let's let's go back for a minute just to kind of um, just a little bit of focus where, you know, we, we are talking about changing so fast, like we're throwing lots of stuff out there right now. I'd like to talk about, you know, your predictions for 2022, right? Um, who could have ever predicted, you know, three years ago, if I asked you, you know, what's going to look like, you wouldn't have said this. But I suspect that you've got a pretty good finger on the pulse of, you know, what's going on in the industry, what's happening for partners. Like this year, what are the three things you think are going to be super important for partners to be thinking about? I only think there's one thing, and 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 that is fundamentals. Um, I, I I've taken the position, um, and Channelomics has taken the position that 2022 is the year to dare to be boring. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of it's. I, I just wrote a blog on this uh, because I was I was looking, I was reading at all these predictions, and this is the time of year where a lot of company, a lot of pundits and analysts come out with their list of ten things or fifteen or whatever. That's not to say that they're not valid. These are trends that have been going on for a while. Yes, you're going to see a greater emphasis on digital uh, digital analytics and data transformation, uh, digital transformation. You're going to see greater automation, uh, particularly in the use of uh, RPA technologies to facilitate communications. Uh, there's going to be you know, a continued increase in the use of collaboration. And how do we know all this? We know this because these trends have been going on for a while they're not new um, what is happening though is we are moving from it as an economy and this is something i don't think we we bring into conversations like this enough is that as an economy we're moving more from a quantitative to a qualitative growth cycle meaning that there's not going to be a revolutionary change we're not going to drop another internet onto the economy and see this massive growth that comes out of it. You're gonna see over the next five to seven years an emphasis on optimization. So Diane, as you were saying about sustainability, sustainability is a part of an optimization cycle. So that where you make the most out of your investments, you try to you you try to create more efficiencies, more expeditious outcomes, and this is being driven by a lot of the mega trends that we're seeing. So at this point, everybody's heard about the Great Resignation, and there is validity to this notion that people have opted out of jobs and most of those that have opted out about 75 percent of them have opted out is a temporary condition while they while they're being more choosy about the jobs that they're going into about 25 percent of it is people opting out for re early retirement and they're not coming back into the workforce now why is this important in a long-term in a long-term context 2021 was the first year the United States did not expand its labor pool. And this is it, this is not because there's, you know, um, the, the, you know, the clampdown on immigration. This is because we're having fewer babies. Now, Megan, I want to thank you for your recent contribution because that will help us down the road. You know, it's a wonderful thing, you know, to, for you to be a mother again. But the reality is, is that we're having fewer babies and for mature economies in order to sustain population, the birth rate has to be about 2.2 uh, children per couple. And we are now on the cusp of that. Other other developed nations are already below that. So Italy, Germany, Japan are in negative population growth. And so that is going to put more pressure on the labor pool, which is going to drive to, which is going to lead to more automation.
And that automation and this this qualitative growth uh, you know growth cycle is going to is going to create new opportunities for technology companies and for partners because it means going in and actually making systems work better. It means actually getting the greater value and the greater experience from the investment. So I think that there's going to be a lot more opportunity as a result of this, even though economic activity, overall economic activity is probably going to decline by a point to a point and a half between now and 2030. But that also goes to our earlier point, right, about about the digital transformation and data and all of that becoming, you know, that that's its own job in and of itself. You're but right. I don't think automation fully takes that over either. You still need the experts like you're hiring to go through it and figure it out and translate it and interpret it and figure out what to do with it. Well, yeah. So you start thinking about things like composable, t uh, composable infrastructure. You know, I, I was doing some reading on this and I'm going to profess up front that I'm, I, this is an area that I'm not going to even profess to be an expert in. But the entire idea is that you're going to be able to take modules of existing technologies and apply them into new contexts to get to an end state faster. Sounds great, but that required somebody to actually build those assets in the first place. And so you're right, there's going, to be a, there's going to be a need for a greater amount of thinking and planning in developing so that there are going to be these extensible resources. And when you start getting into um, areas which are more applicable to a company like SAP and your partners, you produce tremendous tools. All right. And, and yes, Diane, I, I'm going to give SAP all the endorsements they deserve at this point. So and I and it's all sincere because I do. I have a great I have a great, great amount of admiration for SAP and your products. But your products are not useful. They're not applicable until somebody figures out how to apply them in a meaningful way. And they are dependent on modeling. They're dependent on workflow development and work, uh, workflow design. Um, looking at some of the things that your partners have done, particularly your, your independent software vendors that are adding, using SAP as a platform for developing and extending their own capabilities, they are making magic. So if you think about, you know, that some of the things that you and your partners are doing to facilitate better business in terms of devi devising automation and analytics and driving that value back into and back into their operations to produce a better product and a better, uh, better revenue stream is truly remarkable. I mean, as Asimov would have said, it's indistinguishable from magic. But I think too, it's, you know, it goes to the importance of the ecosystem and, you know, ecosystem being more important than it's ever been. Because, as you said, there are complex products, complex processes, not just SAP, but many, many companies out there. And what our ISVs do and our channel partners do is they bring the value of being able to put all that together, create great solutions and go out and implement them and teach customers exactly how to make their business more efficient. I, I don't disagree, but I think that what we're where we are, um, we are we of an industry have rediscovered the word ecosystem. Um, and I'm not really a fan of use, using ecosystem to describe it. As much as I appreciate the trees outside, I do not have a relationship with them. Um, and that's the problem with an ecosystem is that ecosystems are describing still a, an opportunistic relationship. Um, I think what we're going to find through this, through the digital transformation of, the, of not just the industry, but the economy, is that companies like SAP is going to have more federated relationships with its complementary vendors and ISVs to create persistent relationships that result in value for customers. The customer is looking for a frictionless experience. 
And an ecosystem still has too much friction in it because it requires a lot more orchestration in order to make it to produce an outcome. Whereas a federated relationship where you have pre-designed, pre-built, not just products, but also sales channels that makes it seamless for the customer is going to produce an outcome. So I think we're at the beginning stages of federation over ecosystems. Yeah, I like that. So let's talk about, I mean, you, you know, your or original statement is just one thing this year, fundamentals. That's fundamental. What does that because, mean? If I'm a partner listening to this, it's like, so what does that mean for me as a partner? Like, what do I, what do I do? All right. So this is not going to aptly describe many of your SAP partners, but there are many partners out there that are just still ignorant to fundamentals. Um, somewhere between, somewhere north of 60% of all partners don't have marketing plans or marketing resources. Uh, it's It varies from year to year, but it goes between 55 and 70% of partners don't have effective business planning or strategic plans for their, for their development. Um, the customer experience is now paramount. Customers are assessing the value of their products and their vendors, the brands that they're buying from based on the totality of their experiences. Most of that, you know, if you think about this, and Megan, as a marketer, you'll appreciate this. There is a well-defined multi-stage uh, description of the sales funnel from discovery to evaluation, to negotiation, to transaction. You know, there's all these different stages and multiple touch points that happen in them. And then you get the transaction and then there's like experience. And experience becomes this mystery zone. That's where all the value is now, Exactly. Yeah. right? And too many of your partners are under-resourced in customer success, Yeah. right? And we need to start thinking about how do we not only plan for the transaction, but how do we plan for the life cycle of the relationship with the customer? How do we uh, become more embedded or become more perceived as, uh, as uh, essential to the relationship, to the outcome, to the operations? Customers want to hand off to professionals. They want to be able to to be able to sleep at night knowing that somebody else has their back and they're taking care of it. 55% of customers will pay more for a product if they're going to get a better experience. And so we need to really start thinking more about how are we going to facilitate the outcome more so than more so than transact a product. No, I, I totally believe that. I mean, it's the PO is not what the first PO is not what you celebrate. It's that next no. sale that comes after year after year after year and a long term relationship kind of goes back to what you were saying. It's, you know, um, you know, it's about truly about partnering and, and relationship building um, between yeah. companies that allows you to be successful over the long haul. I also think that we need to start recognizing the value of non transacting partners. And this is getting some more traction. I think this is going to be, and rather than predictions of things that are going to happen is like, okay, where are we at turning points? And this is a turning point. I think that 2022 is going to be, a, is going to be a year where we, uh, referral programs lose their stigma as being that thing that is an unnecessary expense. A mm -hmm. uh, 10% of part, uh, 10, 10% of the average partner's revenue is generated from referrals. Uh, and by referral, I mean that they're referring their customer to somebody else and they're getting some some level of compensation back. Uh, we expect that to continue to grow because we have so much exposure to our customers' needs for things that we can't solve for. 
that we need to start building these interdependencies so that we can help solve for the customer need and the customer, and this is what I mean by customer experience, the customer will then assign value back to you even if you are not the one solving the problem. You are contributing to solving the problem, showing that you're empathizing with their needs. Well, you become a trusted advisor, right? And I think to your point of the buying cycle and buyers popping in and, in and out, you know, it's about what the, you know this other business did that was so successful, or what my friend right. in the industry said they did, and who they work with, and how can I get a hold of them? And you know, that's so much of all of what you're talking about. Yeah, that absolutely is. And but I mean, this is what I mean by fundamentals: is that there needs to be more attention paid to what makes the machine works than trying to find the shiny new machine. Yeah. Uh, the machine's not changing. I mean, there's there's things that are about the machine that are going to change. We're still going to have salespeople. Uh, we're st you know we're still going to do the things that, that make businesses run. Um, but it's not. There isn't a new product that's going to come along and automatically enhance profitability. Yeah. You know, if you you I hear it from time to time with partners. It's like, oh yeah, we just picked up this new vendor. We just started selling this new product, and wow, we made a ton of money. Well, it's a spike. That's not a business. And that's what we need to we need to look at building healthier businesses. And right now, as much as half of the channel uh, is what we would consider to be unhealthy. Yeah. Good. So, you know, I, I think we should kind of move into wrap up here. And what would you like to leave our audience with, Larry, in terms of, um, you know, you, you talk a lot about the fundamentals, which I think is super important. Um, any parting words or, or final thoughts? Well, I have many. Um, I, I, you know, it depends on what you want me to talk about. I, you know, it, you know, I think, yeah, I have many final thoughts. I think the thing to look forward to is that we we do have a great amount of opportunity ahead. Uh, there's definitely going to be some headwinds along the way. There's certainly a lot of uncertainty, but there's a lot of challenge and a lot of challenges. Uh, if anyone's had the opportunity to read our 2030 report, our forecast for the industry looking ahead over the next decade, we enumerate a number of them. The thing about challenges, though, is that each challenge that is thrown at the technology industry is an opportunity. You know, the one thing that makes the technology industry different from all others is that we have the ability to morph around problems in ways that others can't. We make other industries better. And so whenever there's a challenge, regardless of what its source is, it truly does signal another opportunity for, for those, for companies like SAP and your partners. Love it. Yeah, and so I think, and how I would wrap up our conversation, this has been fascinating, by the way, so thank you for, for all these thoughts. And we are talking about you know, a lot here, but um, you know, data is king. Mm -hmm. um, making sure that you really have the fundamentals in place in terms of you know knowing who your customers are, knowing how to service them, putting business plans in place, investing in marketing, just doing the things that make your business run, and really looking for long-term relationships and be willing to take big risks and and let it let it play out before you pull the trigger. Well, well the one thing I would say, the one thing I would add to that, Megan, is this: is that you're right, data is king, but if data is king, vision is queen. And you you can't you can't do any you know the, the the question I ask of every company that I interact with that we support is ultimately comes down to what is your vision what is it that, how are you going to change the world and I, and I recall one time one of my colleagues said that that's too big of a question I was like no you can define the world any way you want to 
but you have to have a vision for how you're going to affect or how you're going to shape the world around you for the better. And if you can do that, then you know what the data is you need, you know what the systems are, you can go through the entire process of defining how, who you are and what you're going to be. But it all starts with vision and that's what makes data meaningful. And it's what makes great leaders too. You have to have a, you know, a North Star where you're going to to give, give your employees yep. the motivation and the vision to follow you. So thank you, Larry, you're, uh, you're epic at that. Go ahead, Diane. Yeah, no, if I could just add to that, uh, you know, data, vision, totally makes sense. And as a, as a communications um, person, what also comes to mind based on what you've said is, you know, data and vision, it's actually really nothing unless you can tell your story really well. Yeah. Right. So that is also another key piece. Um, you've got to be able to tell that story and so that you um, are credible and you're desirable and you're different. And I think that is, is really key also to success. Yep. I couldn't agree more as like as a former journalist. I hate saying former. Um, but I can tell you it, it all comes down to story. You have to be able to articulate what it is, who you are, and what makes you different. And you have to do it easily. The, the world does not have an attention span that will take the time to do that for you. Yeah. All right, well, listen, thank you so much. Um, before we, I, I do wanna get one more closing thought from you. This one's hopefully fun, fun stuff. Um, okay. And for you as well, Megan. <laughs> so um, we like to end our uh, out to lunch on, on this note. So um, my question to both of you is, if you could have lunch with a famous person, who would that be? Megan, why don't you go first? Uh, I would have lunch with Deepak Chopra. I'm, uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, reading uh, on him and, and his philosophies and it's literally changed my life in the last two years. So I think it'd be cool to have, a, have lunch with Deepak. Hmm, that's an interesting one. I like that. Maybe a little eat, was it eat, love, pray? <laughs> the book. <laughs> Got a little of that going on. A lot of meditation. Yeah. Um, eat, pray, love. That's what it was. Eat, eat, pray, love. Okay. So, Larry. You know, you, you know that's it, it, that is probably the hardest question I've been asked so far this year. <laughs> um, well, we're only 12 days in, so we got. Time. I, I know the year is yeah. still young, but I and I, you know, I say that tongue in cheek. You know, I. I honestly don't know. I, I would, there are so many great minds that I, I really would like to just reach back into and ask them what were they thinking? Uh, you know, whether it was Gutenberg or, you know, it's like you think about it, like what did Johann Gutenberg think when he invented the, or what was he thinking when he invented the printing press or John Harrison when he perfected naval navigation? Um, you know, against all odds, or just even understanding what was going through Neil Armstrong's head when he was stepping onto the moon. I, I wish I could reach in and tap into them, you know, the good and the bad over time. I think that that's the thing is that, and the one thing, you know, if you ask me, you know, who I would encourage others to, to, to talk with or have lunch with, anyone, just ask questions and open up and see if you can open up because this is the thing I think is missing from this world is that, we spend too much time talking and not enough time listening. 
Absolutely. You got that one right. And yeah, I'd like you, you came up with more than one. You came up with at least three there and they were all pioneers. So that, yeah, yeah, there's that. The, and then the, if you really, if, okay, if you want to know, I'd like, I'd really like to have lunch with Captain Kirk. I mean, it's just, it's just, <laughs> you know, it, it has nothing to do with anything. Well, oh, you can't see my mug. There you go. <laughs> oh, nice mug. Okay, well, listen, um, thank you so much to both of you for, for joining us here in our virtual diner uh, and for Out to Lunch. We really appreciate it. And um, for those of you that would like to uh, to, to follow Larry, um, Larry, I believe you are big on social media um, and you're at at LMWalsh underscore CN. Correct. That correct? That's, that's my Twitter handle. You can find me on LinkedIn. Beautiful. If you if you dare to follow me on Facebook, then please don't take offense. That's just that's just where I let myself be. Uh, so. All right. Well, thank you both. Really appreciate your time. Have a great 2022. And for all of our listeners, we'll uh, catch you here next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Out to Lunch. Make sure to subscribe to see what's on the menu next week. Enjoy your lunch. Thank you.